Greetings in the precious name of the Lord Jesus. Appreciate it. Uh, Things we've heard so far, without a doubt, we're all thinking down the same vein of thought, but all coming from our own personal uh, perspective, which uh, makes it all come out different. And also the songs, I, I did enjoy those many songs that we sang, some of them a bit new, but the message, uh, message of hope, message of con- con- communicating the, the truth of Christ and uh, such. don't like things in my pocket or I find myself playing with them. If you are able, stand with me and we will have a brief prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you today for this day. This is a new day. It's a day that we've never lived before. We're thankful for the opportunity to experience the blessings of your grace and mercy and peace in our lives again today. Thankful for health and strength to be able to be here, to gather and worship, to be uh, taught from scriptures, to sing the hymns of praise to you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you for the the thoughts that have been shared already, the inspirations, the meditations on Christ. And as we continue in that theme, bless us, Father. Grant clarity of thought to me in sharing and bless all who hear the, as we, as we think about the loaves and fishes that A little lad brought and you blessed them and fed multitudes. We ask for that blessing today. That uh, the few meditations and thoughts that are shared could result in feeding our souls. So we trust you for that, Father. And again, commit this time to you. May your kingdom come. May your will be done here in our lives in this service, even as it is done in heaven, for we ask it in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. I've titled today's message, God's Response to Human Brokenness. Now, I, in saying that, uh, the, the word brokenness uh, can have two different, at least two different meanings. And uh, we want to be sure that we're thinking about the correct meaning. And we find that definition of brokenness that I'm speaking of this morning in Genesis chapter 3. So we will follow some of the same scriptures that we've already been looking at. And I'm going to read the first 16 verses of Genesis chapter 3. Where the scripture says, now the serpent was more subtle than the beast and than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, yea, hath God said, ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. 
But of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat it of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die, for God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. And the eyes of them were both opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he, God, said, Who told thee that thou was naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldst shouldst not eat? And the man said, The woman whom thou gavest to me to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the woman, What is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle, and above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Unto the woman he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow. And thy, and thy conception in sorrow shalt thou bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. I think I'll stop there. Um, so when I say God's response to human brokenness, we have the picture there. Uh, what was once a beautiful experience was suddenly a very broken experience. What was once a perfect environment with perfect relationships and perfect experiences was suddenly very broken. What was once a, what was once functioning as a well-oiled machine was suddenly very uh, dysfunctional. And there was no turning back. There was no backing up and redoing it. There was no changing what had just happened. What was done was done. And it was broke. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 23, Jesus describes this brokenness when he says this, and just kind of taking a few verses there, not giving the entire context, he says, Jesus said, and he said, what comes out of a person is what defiles him, and this is ESV, for from within, out of the heart, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slaughter, excuse me, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and they defile a person. You know, At this point, even the best of us as Christians cannot 
quite grasp what it really was actually like to live in a condition where there is absolutely no knowledge of evil, absolutely no thought of evil, absolutely no desire of evil, just not present. Evil, not present. Wrong, not present. It just simply, uh, we've never lived in that environment and we won't on this side of eternity. But that's what they had and then on the contrast, we have what uh, Math, uh, Mark 7, rather, Mark 7, verse 20 and 23, says about the reality of human brokenness. And it coming out of the heart, and a whole list of the works of broken humanity. An ugly list really is. And so today, we'd like to spend a little bit of time uh, thinking about and considering God's response to that brokenness that we, that we see. Reading a number of verses here, um, God's response to broken humanness, human brokenness. First one, first response I'd like to think about a bit is that of love and compassion. Familiar scripture, John three sixteen and seventeen. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Romans 5 verse 8, But God commendeth his love toward us, in that, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Titus 3, verse 4, But after that the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared. Just one simple little sentence, but communicates that truth. The kindness and love of God toward man. 1 John 4, 9 and 10, In this was manifested the love of God toward us. Because that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. Herein is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. One more verse in Micah chapter 7 verse 18 and 19. Who is a God like unto thee that pardoneth iniquity? and passeth by the transgression of the remnant of his heritage. He retaineth not his anger forever, because he delighteth in mercy. He will turn again. He will have compassion upon us. He will subdue our iniquities, and thou wilt cast all their sins into the depths of the sea. So the uh, God's response to our to human brokenness was first off one of love and compassion. As these verses communicate, what is, you know, when we say, okay, so God, um, God loved us. His response was one of love. What exactly is that? Well, first off, I'd like to think about the posture of love. The posture of love comes from the core of a being, whether it's God or whether it's you. Uh, love, first off, is something that is, I'm going to say, it's in your heart. It's in your being. It's... Uh, it's it's in there 
and and it's the it's uh, it's it's the posture of care for it's the posture of interest in it's the posture of um, value toward seeing uh, uh, esteeming the the whatever you're loving. Uh, concern. It's a posture of the heart. God had that in, in His being for humanity. His heart was toward broken humanity. He was concerned for them. He was interested in them. He was caring about them. It was in His heart. He saw value in them, even though they were broken. He did not discard them and say, yes, well, it's a done deal. There's nothing to be done anymore. They just messed it up and there's no solution. In his heart, he looked on that brokenness and he cared. And his so much, he cared so much. As we look at the scriptures and see those those verses we read that he sent his only begotten son. So deep was his care. So deep was his concern. So deep was his interest in broken, human brokenness. And so the posture of love was that care and interest in his heart and the action of love is the response to the posture of love. So you first off have the care in your heart and then your actions are moved or are responses because of what is in your heart. And that's what we see here in God as he... As he responds to human brokenness, he responds with care. His heart, he cares. He's concerned. He is interested. He's, he, he, he sees value. He still sees opportunity. He has not given up. And he makes his move. He sends his son. He responds out of what's in his heart. And... Uh, so God's response to brokenness and the second point to think about is God's response to human brokenness is that he sent his son. And again, the uh, the verse there in Genesis 3.15 that we've already looked at several times this morning, I will put enmity between thee and the woman, between thy seed and her seed, and it shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. Appreciated the explanation of that. Isaiah 7 verse 14 says, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel, which is God with us. Isaiah 9 verse 6, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Micah 5, 2. But thou, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, thou, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall come forth unto me, that is to be ruler in Israel, whose going forth have been from old, from everlasting. And then I'd like to turn to Matthew 1 verses 18 to 25 and actually read that account of the birth of Jesus. God sent his son in response to human brokenness. Matthew 1, beginning in verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus was on this wise when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph before they came together. She was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. 
But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife, and knew her not until she brought, had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. So that's uh, just a little quick snapshot of the uh, birth of Jesus, and it's given from the standpoint of Joseph, the uh, husband of Mary, uh, not necessarily the father of Jesus, but uh, yeah, God, the birth of Jesus uh, as it's, uh, yeah, as it's recorded in Matthew there. <clears throat> so, God's response to human brokenness was to send his son. Uh, as we know it, born of a virgin, um, in a lowly stable, in a very unassuming situation. Uh, it was interesting to me, uh, Josh had the children's lesson, who had the devotional, Micah. <laughs> it was interesting to me, uh, the thought of uh, that they were not looking for the Son of God, the Jews, they were not looking for the Son of God, and that, I think you're right, I had never thought about that, I don't think, you know, the prophecy has never indicated that God is going to send his son to die for the sins of humanity, talked about a baby being born, talked about being born of a virgin, just various things like that, uh, so interesting uh, point, but God sent his son to, uh, as a as a uh, solution, as a, as a fix, to provide a fix for human brokenness. And that's the next point we'd like to think about a little bit. Um, God sent his son to provide the fix that was needed. You know, um, this might be a place where this illustration will fit. I had this little illustration, wasn't sure where to fit it in, but... Um, so about a probably a three quarters of a year ago, my wife called me one morning and said, my car is giving me all kinds of problems. There's warnings on the dash. Uh, I don't remember what she all told me. I think she said it's not steering right and and different things. And so she parked the car. And uh, obviously, by the description that she gave me, there was something broke. <laughs> there was brokenness in that car. So I uh, just simply got a trailer in my pickup and I went and loaded the car and brought it home. And yeah, I uh, got in the car and started it and all kinds of warnings on the dash of all sorts. And and uh, the power steering didn't work properly and just issues. And so I loaded it up and brought it home. And, uh, you know, it was a, a well-oiled machine, been running well, all was great, but suddenly there was brokenness. And it didn't function well anymore, and there was problems. And maybe this is how life is sometimes, we, maybe we don't always go to the right place to find the answer to our brokenness. I took it to a local garage. And they messed around with it for a while, did some things that didn't need to be done and called me back and said, they don't know what it is. I need to take it to a, a dealer. So I took it to an authorized dealer, someone that should 
know this vehicle and be able to fix it. And they did. They found the problem and they fixed it. And it's worked great ever since. I don't know. You know, sometimes, and this is kind of interjecting here, sometimes we we don't always go to the right place for a solution to the problem, do we? And we mess around and we try to, things get done that don't correct it, and then finally we go to the right right place and we we find a solution. Anyhow, um, all it was was a wire rubbed through at the on the frame somewhere and send the computer cahoots, and nothing worked right. I was tried first. I loaded it, took it to the first garage, and then from there I decided to drive it back to the house and then drive it to the next garage and this thing was all kinds of stuff going on and it was telling me to stop driving to pull over to park uh, just anyhow uh, I'll try maybe I'll try to interweave that a little bit at times if I remember <clears throat> so uh, the, the the car was broke and it needed a fix and that's what as God looked on, looks on humanity he he looked on their brokenness and he uh, provided the fix that was needed so looking at that, uh, we already looked at the fact that God sent His Son, um, and we'll look just a little further in that in that point. Uh, Romans eight thirty two: He that spared not His own Son, but delivered Him up for us all, how shall He not with Him also freely give us all things? So that scripture in in Romans there: uh, He that spared not His own Son, but delivered Him up for us all. He saw our brokenness. He knew that what the answer was to that brokenness, and there was only one answer. There was only one solution. There was no other available fix. And the fix, the solution was his son. And, as it says here, he spared not his own son. Do you think he didn't love his son? Do you think he didn't enjoy the fellowship that they had over there in glory? And the working together and whatever all they had going there? But he's, And do you think he didn't know what his son would go through? What he would experience? He knew it all. But he spared not his own son. He didn't uh, hold back. Romans 8.3 For what the law could not do... In that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. So here we are as human, uh, hu- uh, broken human beings. And so God sends his son uh, in human flesh to uh just like us, not broken, but in human flesh, in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. You know, and uh, that word condemned is the, it, it's uh, it's the idea of uh, the you know this sin, this brokenness. And I, I want to keep coming back to that term, this brokenness. Um, it, this brokenness in humanity, it's a well-established issue, but God sending his son condemned it. He pulled the props out from under it, you might say, out from under that brokenness. That brokenness was no longer a undefiable stronghold. The Lord Jesus defied its strength. He condemned it. He took away its its uh, its teeth, if you might say it that way. Uh, he dealt with it. Second uh, Corinthians five twenty one. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. You know, I don't know. Uh, there's, I guess, there's 
probably a lot of ideas on how that all happened and worked. You know, he made him to be sin for us. He he uh, bore our sins on Calvary. I don't know what that really means. You know, obviously he didn't go to Calvary feeling guilty because he had never sinned. And yet somehow he went to Calvary with the weight of the sins of humanity on himself. I don't know exactly how that uh, works out. But, and it does, you know, we, 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 if we're familiar with the scriptures, on the cross, Jesus made the, uh, the comment about, uh, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Something like that. Um, the, the idea is that as he bore our sins on Calvary, that the Father um, turned his face away. I don't know if that's a true biblical concept or if it's just something that I somehow have gathered in my thinking over the years. But, uh, but we do know uh, he uh, made him to be sin for us. He took our sins and took them to Calvary and paid the price and thereby uh, giving him the uh, authority over all things. First John 4, verse 10, Herein is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Uh, the word propitiation is used several times in Scripture. First uh, John two two he and he is the propitiation for our sins and not ours only but also for the sins of the whole world. You know the word propitiation is kind of uh, it's it's the idea of an offering. He was the offering for our sin, not for our sins only but for the sins of the whole world. Uh, you know any person who goes to eternity without having their sins for, uh, forgiven and, and having their hearts cleansed through the blood of Jesus, they go there with, um, what's the word? They would have had the opportunity to uh, have their sins forgiven, had, uh, had the, the guilt of sin removed from their lives because the payment has already been made. The, the uh, propitiation has already been offered the blood has already been shed. Uh, it's, it's there for every last person who ever uh, lives, has lived and, and will live from here out. And, uh, uh, and anyone who doesn't receive it, doesn't enter into it by faith in Christ, goes to, goes to, uh, goes to eternity carrying a debt that has already been paid. But they simply failed to avail themselves of of the payment. And what a, you know, it's like, uh, it's like, um, if I, and this is no comparison, but if I owed a, you know, let's say I bought a property and somebody was so kind and they just went to the bank and paid off the entire debt for me. But then I keep coming back to the bank every month and pay, make my payments, you know, and don't accept the payment that was made. And so I labor for the next 30 years continuing to pay this property with somebody already paid it for me. It's not a fair comparison because time and eternity aren't comparable. But we'd call that foolish, right? You'd look at me and you'd say, you fool, somebody paid your debt. Why are you going back to the bank every month with a payment? Well, it's a lot more foolish to continue to carry the weight of sin not only through life, but into eternity when it's already been paid. And the prices have been paid for deliverance and cleansing. Continuing on this thought some, uh, here's two verses, and these are in the ESV. Hebrews 2.17, Therefore he hath made, therefore he had to be made like his brothers in every respect, so that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation, propitiation for the sins of the people. So it was necessary that Jesus comes and lives where we live. 
in order to make a propitiation for us. He needed to live in a human body like we live in. Colossians 1, 19-23, For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether in, on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you, who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, has, he has now reconciled in the, his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you have heard. So the... Uh, Jesus... Uh, God provided the fix, sending his son uh, to live among us, to walk in human flesh, to give his life at Calvary uh, as a propitiation so that uh, we can uh, have hope. And I'd like to just go a little bit further with the with the. Uh, that thought of the fix and just look into it just a little bit deeper. Uh, Like it says there in uh, Colossians, he has now uh, reconciled in his body of flesh by his death. He has reconciled us. Uh, Romans uh, Romans 3, 24 and 25, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God. And Ephesians has a, a, a similar thought here, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. And Colossians as well, giving thanks unto the Father who hath made us meet. The word meet means qualified to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. So what is the fix? You know, God provided the fix. It was Jesus. And it was forgiveness for sin that separated us from God. Remember in the garden, it was sin that separated them in their relationship from God. Jesus, through his blood, provides forgiveness for sin. And on the basis of forgiveness, then we can be again reconciled in our relationship with God. That relationship that was severed, it can it can come back together. It can be uh, uh, restored. Uh, the word the scripture uses a word reconciliation, reconciled, restored in our relationship with God the Father. The scripture also uses the term of uh, uh, redeemed. Uh, we have there in in Romans three twenty four being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. The idea of redemption. That's the idea of taking us from where we are in our brokenness and bringing us back into a repaired state. Redemption. Redeeming. I know I've used this illustration in the past of redemption uh, or redeeming. Um, Remember, I read a story years ago of a of a uh, gentleman whose father had bought a tractor many years ago and his father this his father was now uh, probably 80 or some 90 years old and this tractor was sitting on the fence road all in total disrepair and trees growing up through it and the son decided to redeem uh that tractor he decided to uh pull, pull it out of the weeds Get it into the shop, repair it, restore it, took everything apart, 
fixed every broken piece, uh, got it all well uh, oiled and got it running and painted and looking like brand new and then presented it to his father for his birthday or something. And I've seen and heard those uh, stories on different situations where the, those things have happened. And that's, uh, that's a picture of redemption. Taking Jesus actually did that for us. Taking us, pulling us out of the gutter of sin. Working on us, restoring us, uh, repairing us, and then presenting us to the Father. Um, so that's, that's the idea of, of redeeming us, taking us from where our place of brokenness and uh, uh, redeeming us and restoring us. Like, it, like uh, Colossians says, delivered from the power of darkness. Translated into the kingdom of his dear son. Uh, in brokenness, we live in darkness and in the power of darkness. In being restored through Christ, we live in his kingdom and have a new uh, life. As uh, 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17 and 18 Familiar verses, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given to us a ministry of reconciliation. These verses speak of old things passing away and all things becoming new. Uh, in Christ... Like I said, we talked about the redemption uh, being translated, uh, delivered from the power of darkness, translated in the kingdom of his dear son. In Christ, we have a new life. We have new opportunities. We have new beginnings. We have new affections. We're blessed with new fruit in our lives. In Christ. And in Christ, we are qualified to be partakers of the heavenly inheritance. That was slash is God's response to human brokenness. Providing everything that was needed to bring us back, to redeem us, to bring us back into a place of good repair. Back into a place of usefulness in his kingdom. Back into a place of opportunity. New opportunities for him, for his uh, kingdom and purposes. So that's God's response to human brokenness. So the next question I'd like us to consider just a little bit is what is my response to human brokenness? I think it's uh, so we've we've considered God's response. We've I think we've liked God's response. I think we appreciate it. We're glad for it. We're glad that God didn't decide it's not worth it. You're just going to let them suffer in their misery and such. But uh, so then the question, what is my response to human brokenness? And let's turn, let's go to the uh, gospel of Luke and look at several accounts there. Luke 7. We'll read verse 36 to 39. <clears throat> Luke seven thirty-six, And one of the Pharisees desired him that he would eat with him. And he, and he went into the Pharisee's house and sat down to meet. And behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment and set, stood at his feet behind him weeping and began to wash his feet with tears and did wipe them with the hairs of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with ointment. 
Now when the Pharisee which had bidden him saw, saw it, he spake within himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is that touches him, for she is a sinner. Now here we see, we see one man's response to human brokenness. Jesus saw it too. Uh, You know, the scripture has an interesting way of saying it. I kind of like the way this uh, says it here. Uh, He spake within himself. Do you ever speak within yourself? (laughs) It's what you're thinking. You're speaking within yourself. He spake within himself. He thought, if this guy were a prophet, he'd know this is a sinner that's at his feet. Of course, we have Jesus' response in verse 40. And it's interesting how Jesus begins the discussion. He says, Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. Say on, Master. And I'm not going to go to the, uh, read all of this for sake of time, but uh, there's, a, there's, a, there's a one human's response to human brokenness. Interestingly enough, his response to human brokenness indicates another human brokenness, another level of human brokenness, another. uh, Let's turn to Luke 18. Verse nine to eleven. Jesus here he says, and he spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up into a temple to pray, into the temple to pray, one a public one a Pharisee and the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I'm going to stop there. Again, um, Jesus is uh, showing us human response to human brokenness. And it was a human response that Jesus had a problem with. Because he gave this uh, parable on the basis that there were certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. So what is my response to human brokenness? You know, human brokenness is all around us. It's in the society. We see it everywhere we go. We see human brokenness. It's in our neighborhoods. We see it. We see the the results of human brokenness. It's in our families. Human brokenness. You know what? It's even in your fellow church members. There's human brokenness. Probably sitting beside you. Some level of human brokenness, likely. Is there a smugness in my heart like there was in that Pharisee that was praying that I'm glad I'm not like this person or that person? I would never do what they did. Perhaps that is revealing another brokenness, another level of human brokenness in our own hearts. In 1 John 2, verse 6, 
The scripture says this, John says this, He that saith he abideth in him, abideth in Christ, ought himself so to walk even as he walked. Should our response to the human brokenness around us resemble God's response to human brokenness? Should there be similarity? Should we, ex- should we desire that in our hearts? That our response to the human brokenness that we encounter and live around would be similar to God's response. <clears throat> I think that's a right desire. I think it's something we should actually very much desire. I know that I don't always respond Christ-like to human brokenness that I encounter. But I want my heart to be challenged in this. That my response is not just evidence of another level of human brokenness that's going on in my own heart. Next question, what is my response to my own brokenness? What is your response to your own brokenness? Matthew 11:28, Jesus says, "Come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me." For I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. So Jesus invites us to come to him with our human brokenness. With our own personal brokenness. Whatever it is. There is no limit to what he is uh, willing to work with. When it comes to human brokenness. He is willing to work with us. If we're willing to have him. If we're willing to. uh, Well let's look at this next verse. That I have here. Mark 2 verse 16 and 17. And when the scribes and Pharisees. Saw him eat with publicans and sinners. They said unto his disciples. How is it that he eateth with. And drinketh with publicans and sinners. And when Jesus heard it, he saith unto them, They that are whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. I have not come to, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. You know, first off, we have to understand our own brokenness. If we're going to get help, we first off have to realize we're broke. And, uh, you know, that can be as varied as the person who has never uh, been born again, never understood their lost condition or never owned their lost condition and came to Christ for salvation. Or it can just be us as Christians who are walking along in the journey of life and there's areas in our lives where there's brokenness. Where there's something that really is not glorifying God in my life, in what I'm doing, what I'm thinking, the way I'm Handling life. It's brokenness. And generally we don't find solutions to that brokenness until we own it. Realize it. Hate it. And get desperate to have it fixed. It's, and that's what Jesus is saying here. It's, it's, uh, uh, what what Jesus is saying here is not that there are some who aren't sick. That's not what he's saying. He's saying he, it's kind of a he's 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 I'm, I don't I don't I'm not sure that I have the word, but he's he's kind of being a little bit sarcastic toward them, toward those. Uh, when he says, uh, they that are whole need not a physician, he's, he's being a little bit sarcastic toward those Pharisees who were criticizing him. Basically telling them in a roundabout way, 
y'all don't realize how sick you are, so I can't help you, is really what he was saying to them. So, the fix doesn't become ours till we choose to surrender our lives or the ownership of our lives to Jesus Christ and trust him, trust the, trust the care of our lives into his hands. So wherever we find ourselves in whatever level of brokenness, the invitation stands, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. But you know, it's there's always a decision that we have to make. As we come to a place of understanding our brokenness, we, we are faced with a decision. Will I trust Christ with this brokenness? Again, whether it's someone who's never had a personal faith in Christ or it's someone who's walking with God and they discover an area of need in their lives. There's always a point of decision. Will I trust Christ with my life in this area? God won't move. It won't be ours. The, the, the fix won't happen until we make that decision to trust Christ with our lives. <clears throat> so what is my response to my own brokenness? I would like to close with a testimony. A testimony of God's faithfulness in repairing my brokenness. Many of you know that a number of years ago I had stepped out of ministry, my ministry responsibilities because of brokenness in my life. With much gratefulness to my Lord, I can testify today of this area of brokenness being completely mended. I want to acknowledge God's faithfulness in a number of ways. First off, his grace, his mercy, his forgiveness that has been made available through Jesus Christ. Second, that God placed the burden, the vision, and the gifting upon the hearts of fellow saints to create programs and platforms that created a safe internet environment for me. God's work in his church. Thirdly, a Christian brother-slash-friend who was willing to invest time and energy into my life by the way of accountability, advice, exhortations, and prayer. Fourthly, I'd like to acknowledge God's faithfulness in a faithful wife who through my brokenness, though my brokenness affected her a lot, she didn't lose faith in God and she didn't lose faith in me. And fifth, for family and friends who responded to my brokenness in God-likeness with compassion and prayer and support. To all, I say thank you. And as God gives me opportunity, I desire to provide the same for others who may need it. Could we kneel together for prayer?
Father, we come in Jesus' name. We say thank you, Lord. Thank you for caring about our brokenness. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus, as the solution to our brokenness. Thank you for providing a community of believers where we can assist each other. facilitating the repair of that brokenness. Thank you, Lord. Father, this morning I pray again, pray for each person here, pray for the brokenness in all of our lives, whatever level it is. We're all a work in progress. And we will be until our dying day. I pray for each of us And wherever we are on that scale. That your spirit would again invite us. To lay our burdens down at the feet of Jesus. To find the freedom. From the weight of sin. To find the freedom. From the power of sin. To find the healing. Of the brokenness in our lives. Father, again, may your kingdom come, may your will be done in our lives here today, even as it is done in heaven. And we thank you. We thank you for your care for us, each one of us here today. We pray in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.